Welcome to Last in Line Podcast, where we are highlighting, showcasing, and spotlighting great leaders of faith who have overcome adversity, cultivated resilience, and served others in a significant capacity. So settle in and be encouraged by this episode of Last in Line Podcast. Hey, welcome back to Last in Line Podcast. You're in the right place. You are not an accident. You're here on purpose for a reason. God made it that way, so don't fight it. Uh, Glad you could make it. And I got a good one tonight because uh, I've been thinking about this one as a parent of four. I think about this one a lot, and I kind of wonder if I'm guilty of some of this. And starts to convict me a little bit, starts to maybe even, although I know it's not a super spiritual way to believe or think, uh, I feel a little guilty sometimes as a parent. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. But first, I want to give you some stats here uh, around the topic that I chose tonight. And maybe I'll just give you the title of the topic first. Um, It's called tonight, I'm going to call this talk. The guilt of good, the guilt that goes along with good as a parent, the good that we've created for our kids, I feel kind of guilty that we've made everything so good. We've made most everything so easy. We've provided as we're supposed to, I guess, but we're over providing. I think we're over coddling. I think we're over pampering. I think we're over protecting. I think. So anyway, I'm going to get over my skis if I keep going with this. But I I got a study here, uh, not a study really, I guess, but from an article from VeryWellFamily.com that says signs you are over-parenting your child. I'm not going deep into this with a fine-tooth comb, this article, um, but... I think it's mostly younger kids that's talking about. I've got a 14-year-old all the way up to a 24-year-old. So throughout their life, I feel like this probably could have applied to me. My wife and I, I'll get into in a minute, grew up in different kinds of households. We were raised totally different. And so it obviously, the way you're raised bleeds into how you raise your kids. But in this case, let me just tell you for the sake of this article, I'm going to give you a couple of these bold headings here over signs you're over parenting your child now if you're like me and your kids are pretty much grown you missed the boat on this one you should probably just pat yourself on the back for being a putz in some of these categories and that's where i get the guilt from uh because i feel like maybe did i not prepare them for the real world did i not make stuff a little harder than it you know I made it easier than it should have been. It could have made it a little bit more difficult. Could have made it a little more challenging. Maybe they could have failed a little more. So this article says, if you vote, these are signs you overparent your child. You get into power struggles. You micromanage your child. You can't let your child fail. Ding, ding, ding. You worry excessively. Pretty much. I mean, I don't know if it was excessively, but I, I fall into that bucket probably a little. You try to control how others treat your child, of course. Nobody wants your kid getting treated like crap. I mean, they call it helicopter parenting, um, which is a thing. But at the same time, you got to stand up for injustice. I mean, or else why are you there other than just a check writer? We all know parents have to stand in the gap for their kids sometimes. 
So the other one here, you don't have a age appropriate expectations. Um, you overindulge your child. So I don't know that we've overindulged our kids, but you know, our kids, but I think we, we didn't crack the whip maybe enough with chores and those kinds of things. They had tasks they needed to do within their own room, obviously, but there was some, uh, for the greater good of the household, maybe some tasks we could have been a little more uh, drill sergeant-esque on. Um, but again, I go back to the basics here. So let me start. So that was out of, again, verywellfamily.com. That was the article, Signs You're Overparenting Your Child. I don't think we're overparenting our kids personally. I don't think I am or my wife is. I don't know that you are. You're probably not. Um, but I will say I could have probably made it a little harder on them for their own good. Uh, I, I just, I feel like maybe the more I hear guys, the way they grew up, you know, especially boys, I guess, I feel like some of the struggle they had made them more resilient as, as grownups, as adults. And I think there's a balance like with everything there's, you know, moderation is a thing. It's a, it's a good thing. I don't think you needed to totally be a, uh, a jerk to your kids all the time, just so they could get tough and develop a thick skin. I don't believe in that either. Um, but so there's extremes to everything. So the guilt of good, I think I built the, the framework for you to understand this, the toxicity of comfortability. I got five questions. Parents should be asking themselves, but before I go into that, like I said, my wife and I were raised in totally different households. She had a divorced set of parents. Mine stayed together uh, for years and years. Um, shoot, 50 years, maybe. I don't almost 50, not quite 50, but a long time. And for the most part, I remember it being a pretty peaceful household. There were obviously times my dad was a little more hot blooded. Uh, at times when he was provoked or when he could have been triggered a little bit, you know, he was a little hot tempered sometimes, but uh, not over the line, not drastic, not toxic. But my wife grew up in a, obviously lived with her mom most of the time and saw her dad on occasion. They lived in the same town, but again, a broken home is a broken home. Kid grows up without two sets of adults in the, or without a set of adults in the house without two parents. And the the dynamics different, the environment's different. She grew up uh, having to do a lot on her own. Um, her mom battled some physical illnesses occasionally. Um, I think a little bit of depression sat in uh, at at times. So my my wife being in that six to ten year old range was you know forced to do a lot of household tasks that parents in the leave it to beaver household, the parents usually take care of. So she was cooking at a young age, laundry at a young age, uh, a lot of time spent by herself, but she had to, she learned a lot of life skills early in life. I, on the other hand, we're both only children, but I being an only child growing up in a, you know, more of a, my three sons household, uh, being the only son, but kind of a picture perfect, you know, Rockefeller family photo. Uh, I think, that's not it. Uh, Norman Rockwell family photo. 
wish I had a Rockefeller family photo. Um, I was more in the camp of mom did a lot for me. Uh, dad didn't always agree with it. Dad was, you know, ex-Marine. He was a hard-nosed football, baseball coach, uh, oldest of five siblings, had a rough childhood, an abusive father. So, yeah, he, he my dad was a little rough and tough and, and thicker skin and a little more rugged. And so I think I was trying to be molded into this balance between the two of them. Um, but I did, you know, I had rules. I had I couldn't step out of line, obviously. I had to do basic chores like take out the trash and, I don't know, mow the grass. And I don't know if I even helped ever clean up, you know, the house. I don't know. I'd make sure my room wasn't trash pit. But I, I had it really well, really good. And, and so I think as a parent, my wife and I, I probably was a little more harsh on our kids when they wouldn't do something basic around the house to help out my wife, given that she grew up kind of went the other direction and, and given that she grew up a little harder, wanted to make it easier on her kids. You don't want your kids to repeat your childhood. If you grew up in a little bit harder circumstance, you didn't, you don't, you know, if you grew up poor, you don't want your kids to want for anything. You don't want lack to be in their vernacular. You want them to be able to have the necessary items and and resources and provide for their needs in every way that you can. Nothing wrong with that. So we both did that. We took care, you know, my wife and I take still take care of our kids when they need something. We take care of them. Yeah, they have jobs and they're self-sufficient and they're required, you know, to uphold the standard as contributing members of society and they're required to do basic stuff here. But, you know, as long as they're living for free, we kind of require certain things. But I think we could have been a little harder on some of the boundaries. Like we could have been a little more of a stickler, a little more uh, account, hold, hold them a little more accountable to kind of hold them to the fire a little bit on some of the the rules of chores and learning life lessons and well, not life lessons, but life skills. And we didn't really hammer on that. We were more of a sports house. We are more of a sports house. We we kind of gravitate toward athletics. And so that's what we spent a lot of their childhood traveling around doing. But, you know, now we're raising kids, you know, in this age of modernity and technology, and we've got competition. You've got competition as parents. You've got technology. You've got other voices you've got their peers you've got teachers and coaches and the the new you know the media of course you've got all these other factors these external influences with your kids that you're battling against sometimes hopefully your church and you know school is is kind of on that bubble but hopefully the teachers are saying the same things you're saying in general i know there's a lot that aren't but there are a lot that are, and the church ideally would be reinforcing the standards and principles and values that you're instilling in them. So that's good. You've got a little bit of, of a team effort, but there is, suffice it to say, a good bit of competition out there for you and I as parents. Um, what I hoped to have accomplished 
which I don't know that I did a great job of, but I think we're getting there, even though you know, I say it's never too late. Um, teenage years may be a little late in the game, but not too late. We didn't miss the boat. Okay, We might be paddling after the boat, but we didn't completely miss it. We're not stranded. Uh, but in this regard of self or digital reliance with our kids, do we want them reliant on big government? Do we want them reliant on assistance from other people? Are we? Do we want them reliant on technology, the digital age of information, entertainment, stimulation at their fingertips? Do we want them to rely on that? Because I think the answer would be no. We would all, a resounding no, but there's also a middle ground where you can't be Hitler and give them five minutes of screen time a day and then have you put your phone in my sock drawer for the rest of the time. Like that's not practical. You know, there are things that they do need from technology, uh, especially if they're out and about and they have a job and they're trying to communicate. Yeah. I think it makes sense. It, it, it is a necessary, I hate to say evil. It's a tool. It's a resource. And if used properly and in moderation can be useful and can serve us. But this isn't, a technology speech today. Um, I just think that it's part of the competition and it's the age we live in. So as parents, we got to factor that in and how we go about tactically raising and parenting. Um, you know, I think there, there definitely is a balance between giving your kids a good life and meeting all their needs. And then there's a balance between that and having them struggle a little. Allowing the struggle, allowing some pain, allowing, you know, a couple of bumps and bruises socially, a couple of bumps and bruises relationally, uh, physically, of course, you know, you scrape your knee, we'll get over it, it'll stop bleeding, let's go, let's keep playing. Um, so I think there's a fine line there. I mean, there's, there's middle ground in everything, but I don't think that we, my wife and I, were too much of a helicopter parent because, look, we didn't try to fight every battle for them. The ones that I think maybe where they were helpless and it was with uh, maybe an authority figure that was being irrational or unfair uh, to an extreme degree. Like, we didn't fight every battle, but we fought the battles that we were meant to fight for them. And, you know, if they did get hurt or they did get maybe slighted in a sport and didn't get the the recognition or the they didn't get enough playing time or whatever. You know, we didn't fight that battle all the time. If it got exorbitant, when it got it got extreme, of course, we had to we have my nature is to say, you know, confront the situation. But I think we did a pretty good job with that. I wouldn't say we're helicopter parents. I we might be uh I don't know, maybe a remote control airplane parents. I don't know if that's a thing, but you get what I'm saying? Like we're, we were a very mild version of that. Um, and, and I'm the first to be, to be hard on us. Trust me. So if you're thinking, yeah, of course, what are you going to say that you are a helicopter parent? No, I mean, I would tell you, I, I'm probably a little bit to a fault, um, over, uh, convicting of myself and my wife as parents. I think you could ask her and she thinks that I'm always questioning whether I was a good enough dad and whether I was, you know, even though I was always around, I am always around. I was at every sporting event, every function, every school, 
play, whatever. I was always there, but I still felt like I missed teaching them certain things. And maybe I could have trained them a little better. You know, I'd never showed them how to hunt. I don't know how to hunt. Uh, we fished, didn't do it a lot, but we, you know, for a few years, we did a lot of that. And uh, then it kind of tapered off. And now we just don't do a whole lot of stuff outside together. Um, so I feel, I don't know, I guess I feel convicted with that, but that, 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 that's a side note. I mean, for that, if you're, if you're out there and you do all those things, good for you. If you don't, it's not the end of the world either. I think the kids need to know certain things of how to survive in life, how to be self-sufficient, self-reliant. Um, so there's a balance between allowing them to struggle at things, allowing them to understand how to confront uh, when they're being wronged or they're being treated unfairly or, or there's an injustice at their expense. I mean, they need to learn how to have those conversations and we're there to coach that. We're not necessarily there to um, do it for them. So sometimes that's my, I will give you, that's my shortcoming. Sometimes I this, I try to, for the sake of time, I feel like doing it myself is better than trying to show them for a half a day. And, and I know that's not right thinking, but I guess that's where I've missed it is I've shown them, done it myself. And, and, you know, they say, do it for them. And while they're watching, let them do it while you're watching, let them do it by themselves. Uh, you know, wait with you coaching and then let them do it by themselves and then do it without you there. So I, I never really got that completely. Uh, but I did show them and I did do it a lot for them in certain situations. And then if we do it enough times, hopefully they get it. And I know that's not always the greatest way to parent, but anyway, that's why the title of this is the guilt of good. So having a good life for our kids and making everything, you know, okay and good and, all the needs met like that. I feel a little bit of guilt because we did that. So, you know, we did that quite a bit. We made, they had a good life. And, uh, I think, you know, the Bible, but we did, we did do a good job in disciplining our kids. Like I'm, I was all for spanking them, you know, give them a little swat on the butt. Uh, and you don't have to do that very often if you do it early enough in life. And so they, they understood what that was. And so we didn't have to do it a whole lot. They respected authority, uh, my wife and I, she can give them a look. I can sort of get a voice and a tone and they get it. They know it's time. And so uh, discipline, you know, the Bible says spare the rod, spoil the child. I think we did well in not sparing the rod. I think we held people to a standard and we held them accountable and we disciplined. And that that's, you know, that's that's really all you can do there. Uh, so the balance, right? There's there's boundaries, there's balance. I will say raising kids in church. Okay. And I'm going to get to the five questions. I know I told you I would. There's five questions that we all need to ask ourselves. But just as a caveat here, don't assume that if you're raising your kids in church, which is to say you're taking them and dropping them in their youth program, and then you're going to big church. Hopefully, I do see parents that just go and drop the kids off at church and then they take off and do whatever they do. That's probably the second to worst scenario. The worst scenario would be that they don't expose them to church. But I really think that you're missing the boat if you're dropping your kids off and you're not getting the word as well. And you're not getting that corporate worship as well with other believers. Anyway, no, I think it's not an automatic buffer. 
church is not even it could be the best of youth programs like we have at our church uh here in Conroe, Texas, the Ark Church. The youth program at the Ark Church is amazing. Obviously, I haven't seen every youth program in the country and you're sitting there probably saying, well, it's not as good as mine and maybe it's not and good for you. Ours is really good. It's one of the best I've seen. And it, it still does not replace or substitute your spiritual seed sowing in your children. You're the parent. Yes. It's good that they have that other voice of faith and God's word and fellowship. They need that, but you're ultimately accountable to pour into them and build them spiritually. That church is not a buffer. It's not a bubble. It's not an automatic pilot for them spiritually. It's great. It's necessary. It's essential, but ultimately the buck stops with you as the parent. There you go. All right, here we go. The guilt of good. Have I poured out enough melodrama for you to feel sorry for me that I feel a little guilty that my kids had it so good? I think I have. I think I've laid it on pretty thick. And maybe if you're honest, you've done the same thing. And your kids had everything they needed. Yeah, we told our kids no a whole lot. Trust me, I can bring every one of them in here. And I've told them no probably twice a day for their whole life. But we did pretty well. They had a good life. They still have a good life. We meet their needs. They don't want for much. So five questions. Here you go. First question, uh, because this is about toxicity of comfortability. So this might make you uncomfortable. Good. That's good. Because I'm uncomfortable talking about my personal life with you. Uh, most of you not even, I haven't even met. Um, so the first question is, am I allowing my kids to fail? Pretty straightforward. We talked about that, right? Helicopter versus the watchtower. I think we can be a watchtower and not have to helicopter over everything. I think we can be 20,000 foot view from the air traffic control booth. I think we can see their life. I think we can help them navigate, but they still drive the plane. I think we can prevent them from obstacles and pitfalls. I think sometimes it's okay to allow them to try something that doesn't work. Allow them to explore a relationship that may break their heart. Okay. It's not life or death. Uh, so are we allowing our kids to fail? I don't know that we did always uh, because, you know, we're only children. Uh, we had, you know, our first kid, we didn't know any better. We were trying to bubble wrap him from here to kingdom come. Uh, and we, you know, by the, you hear the, you hear the analogy of, you know, by the time the fourth kid comes, you drop food on the floor, you just kind of pick it up, blow it off five second rule and they eat it. First kid, you scour the floors with bleach, you move them to a different room in the house, and then you go to the grocery store and replenish all the groceries and feed them that. Yeah, no, that's extreme, but still. So watchtower parents, I think, are okay. I think that's what part of our role is. Helicopter parents, not so much. And if you do that, you're not doing them any favors for the real world because there's no helicopter bosses out there. And if there are, they're usually not too fun to be around and usually not long, uh, long living in that job. So 
that's the first one. Am I allowing my kids to fail? Only you can answer that. And again, I'm not going to qualify this every time with every one of these, but there's moderation, there's balance, there's middle ground to all of these. Okay. Second one is, am I giving my kids too much? I you can, I can't answer that. Honestly, I really can't. I don't know that you can quantify what too much is. Um, do they get everything on their Christmas list every year? Uh, pretty much, almost. But thankfully, my kids have been around long enough to know what a realistic list looks like. Um, so if they were to ever waver outside of those guardrails and boundaries, uh, we would probably definitely nix some of that. But that's just an example. Uh, <clears throat> we can look at the presents under the tree. And every year I tell my wife, gee whiz, look at this. I mean, this is ridiculous. So you have, we have five kids. I mean, four naturally blood, you know, our blood children. And then we virtually adopted my son's fiance back before she was his fiance. And so she's our child too. <clears throat> Shout out to you, Paige Brown, soon to be Shibley. Um, but yeah, we, we probably give them a little too much. Um, but you're going to have a lot of presents of the tree when there's seven people in the house. And so, uh, I think the, the, the danger there, obviously the caution tape reads sense of entitlement on it because that's a real thing. And that's a real risk by just giving to every want, even every need, maybe. Right, because the kid thinks they need things that really are are wants. But golly, we need these, Dad. I need these shoes. I gotta have them. And and so we've said no to that plenty. Uh, but there are parents who just give their kids whatever they ask for. And here you have a society with entitlement um, running rampant. That's the second one. The third question is: Am I an example of doing hard stuff? Are you an example of discipline? even when you don't want to do it? Are you an example of just fight through it because it's necessary? Uh, are you an example of, you know, I don't feel like it, but that doesn't really matter. So discipline has already chosen. Motivation still gives yourself an opportunity to make a choice. And I think in several situations, giving yourself an opportunity is the worst thing you can do because we'll talk ourselves out of anything. <clears throat> So no choices sometimes are better. The more discipline, the fewer choices you have. So are you an example of doing hard stuff? Are you an example of finding a way to make that job work when you know that's not where you're supposed to be long-term? Uh, hard stuff, physically fit. Are you going out pushing heavy stuff every day? Are you going out walking? Are you are you a picture of somewhat decent physical stature and capability. That's a thing you should be, especially if you're the dad. Uh, so discipline versus motivation on that. Are you an example of discipline? Uh, the, the fourth one, do my kids see me living out my faith or do they see just a picture of hypocrisy? Are we going to church every week? And then we come home and dad's watching R rated, you know, skin flicks and cussing up a storm at, 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 at his wife. And, uh, you know, telling kids to do as I say, not as I do type of guy. 
if that's you, then you're sowing the seeds that reap the harvest of replicating that poor behavior in your children. That's just facts. That's just science. That's just Bible. Um, so do they see you living it out? Do they see you serving people? Do they see you graciously having tolerance for people? I can't always say they see me doing that. Uh, I'm working on that. I'm reading books. I'm praying a lot. I'm asking God to convict me in moments and I'm trying to get better at the tolerating and patience thing with people who really don't deserve it, you know, uh, because ultimately what right do I have? Cause I ultimately don't deserve God's grace, God's patience, God's love. And he gave it anyway. So least I can do is show that to his people. So that would be one area that maybe I'm a little bit hypocritical sometimes, not always, uh, but I am, I'm being a little hard on myself probably, but I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm working on that. That's an area that I'm really focused on. So do your kids see you living out your faith, serving and graciously interacting with people that maybe don't deserve it? Um, the last one, am I preparing them for parenthood? How are you doing that? Are you preparing them for parenthood? If they were to be a parent tomorrow, what example do they have for that? What's been modeled? What's the gold standard? What's the bar that they're reaching for? Have you set that? Have you set that bar high? Have you established a hierarchy within your household? That's crucial. Have you made their mother above them? I talked about that a couple podcasts ago. If you haven't, you need to. They need to know that their spouse comes before the children. That that's that's big. It's God, and then it's the the spouse. Then it's the children, of course. And I would die for all my kids, but they know I met their mom first. I love them. I love I love their mother. Uh, she comes first. That you know, right below God. And so that you ought to be establishing a household hierarchy because they're going to follow suit. If you're a slave to them and their needs and you've spoiled them and you created this monster of entitlement, guess what? They're probably going to do that with their kids. And then you've got grandkids that are little monsters. So you want to hit that, head that off at the pass now um, and establish some hierarchy and establish those boundaries. Uh, and then, are, I mean, is there a firm foundation that you're setting uh, spiritually, uh Physically, financially, are you teaching them stewardship principles? Are you teaching them how to be smart with money? Are you teaching them how to tell themselves no, which is how we got into this whole conversation anyway? Uh, or have you just made everything so good that now you're feeling guilty because that's the parent they're going to be? The guilt of good, guys. That's what I thought of. When I thought of this, that's what I titled the the message, but I know guilt isn't of God. I know that's not a spiritual, you know, gift or principle or virtue. I'm not saying it is, but conviction, I guess, is better, but guilt is goes with good. So guilt and good. Uh, but the guilt of good has been kind of itching me for a while, and and I've got to let myself off the hook, and so do you a little bit. But we also have to know when to tell kids no, when to raise a standard when to raise the bar for them, when to let them fail, when to let them struggle, when to let them understand that life doesn't just come to them, 
when to have them be more self-reliant, more independent, not reliant on government, other people, handouts, assistance, always caveat assistance is okay. Sometimes they they do need to know when to ask for help sometimes, but dependent on assistance all the time is not good. And, and this digital age, they can't be reliant on this information digitally to come to them at any given second. And they need to know how to do hard stuff. So I hope you're setting the standard for discipline over motivation. I hope you're serving. I hope you're living out your faith. And I hope you're showing them how the house ranks and your spouse comes before they do. So I hope that helped, guys. The guilt of good, there's a toxicity level to comfortability with our kids. We got to create a little bit of friction. Got to create a little bit of strife, a little bit, not strife, sorry. We got to create a little bit of struggle and we got to create a little bit of hardship. Voluntary hardship is okay. Uh, We got to know how to fight. We got to learn how to be resilient. We got to teach that to them because guess what? They're going to teach that to your grandkids. So I hope that helped with that. Be blessed.